Well, this weekend is the last weekend in a message series called Graduate, uh, Graduation Day uh, and what that means for us and how very simply that God works in very special, unique, unique ways in seasons of transition. Now, I'm going to get into that message here in a second, but first I want to uh, kind of make an announcement. Uh, it's not a grand announcement. It may be the first place probably it's going to be announced, but I'm going to go ahead and take it on myself to say this, that the drought is officially over. I'm just going to say it. Now, maybe, maybe somebody else is thinking differently. Maybe there's some weather person somewhere or some, some hydrologist who has a different opinion. But my opinion is it is over. Sniffly is here in the Mansfield area with almost five inches of rain uh, last night. Embracing what's next. We've talked about in the services that I've been preaching, letting go of the past, what that really means in graduation day theme. And dealing also in times of transition with discouragement and disappointment, also part of our journey. We connect this also with graduation, meaning this is the season for that. Season for transition and change, graduation from high school and college and all beyond that. And so we're making that all kind of a connection for each one. We feel it, in other words. We feel this season of transition even from, uh, for us, uh, uh, winter and uh, uh, spring into the summer. That's all happening right now. So embracing what's next. What is next in the season of transition? Graduating from high school is an experience most of us have had or will have. You'll have it in about six, seven, forever. It's forever, so just don't get too anxious about that here in the front row. Uh, they have quite a time for that. But in graduation from high school, there is an experience that happens for me anyway, many of you, the last day. That's when you clean out your locker. Can you remember that? Some have, some have to have really good memories if you can, but can you remember cleaning out your locker the very last day? I can going there and opening the locker up and uh, filling all my junk in there and putting it in a bag and heading out the door. We probably have many different feelings when that happens. Some do so and you were very, very sad. So sad. This time of popularity and uh, fame and uh, sports and all, it's all going to be over and I got to go to whatever happens to be next. Some might have been sad about high school graduation, cleaning out your locker. Others, like me, were ecstatic. I was so happy. This is over. I was one of those invisible kids in high school. I mean, who is he? Nobody knows. And so my brother and I were invisible. So it wasn't a time of being popular. It was a time of who is he? And so when it came time to leave, it was, I'm glad this is over. Now I wonder what's next. It's got to be better. So we all have feelings about giving up the past, grabbing hold of the new, and moving into high school graduation. And moving beyond high school graduation, we, we tell our kids and other kids things like this. We say, now go find something fulfilling and meaningful, something you're passionate about, and grab hold of that. You know, and they're probably thinking, I was just sitting in class studying Texas history. I don't really know what, what's meaningful, fulfilling, or what I'm passionate about. So it's kind of a scary time when someone is thinking like that. What if they say, well, I'm passionate about sitting at home in your house doing nothing. Uh, our response, I don't mean that. Nix that from the list. And that's not one of the things I'm thinking about. You know, wh whatever you're passionate about, it's also got to get you out of the house. Get you off the payroll eventually. Get you on your, that's also got, to, oh yeah, okay, we got that. So what is it to graduate? What does it mean to move into what's next? My brother and I graduated from high school together. I'm identical twins, so we did everything together. We sat uh, next to each other at high school graduation. 
That was part of our, our journey into, into graduation. We had a plan. Our plan was to, in graduation, to discover, to embrace our own identity. When you're a twin, you don't have one. It's just the twins. It's just the guys who look alike. It's the brothers. It's one of them. Who cares which one? That's kind of how our life had been. So we had a plan. I was going to join the Navy, and Steve was going to go off to college. Well, college didn't work well for Steve. After halfway through, he dropped out and joined the Navy. So we found ourselves first. I, I won't go into how I felt about that. You know, there's, uh, there's four other branches of the military, by the way, Steve. Why the Navy? Anyway, I won't go into that. So we're in the Navy together. We find ourselves doing the Navy together. We do Bible college together. We do seminary together. We've been Methodist pastors now for 35 to 37 years together. We've done everything. We got married around the same time, kids, grandkids, all of it. Our journey is the same in very many, in very many ways because no matter what we thought, there was some kind of overriding plan we discovered that God has something to do with. Now, we can't necessarily say exactly how all that worked or how God was involved in that, or our story. But God was involved in the plan for our lives. We just don't know what it was. I'm going to tell you this, though. It's always going to be a surprise. It will not be what you expect, meaning your future from today onward. You already know that about the past. But from today onward, there are a lot of surprises ahead for those who say, God, I trust you with my life. But I can say this. What's next? We're supposed to embrace it. That's the title of Mike's message. What is it? What is, what is next? I'm going to give you an answer. We don't know. I have no clue. We can't know what that is. We just don't. And so how do I embrace what it might be? Well, we know one thing. God's going to be in my future. I want to walk with Christ in my future. I want to love, serve, and give like Jesus teaches in my future. It's all part of my future. Now, let's look at the Apostle Paul. You heard Frank read some words that he wrote from prison. He writes them from prison. The words I'm going to read for you now, and you'll see on the screen in a moment from Philippians 3, 10, and part of 11, are also written from prison as Paul embraces for himself what is next for him. He doesn't know what it's going to be. Literally, am I going to stay in prison? Am I going to get out? He's going to get out from this prison, this prison sentence, but not the next one. But he doesn't know yet. He's just in prison for doing good, sharing faith in the world, uh, giving good news to other people, being faithful to God. This is what he finds for himself. I'm in prison. And here's what he writes. He says this. Put that on the screen if we can. That I may know him as he embraces his future embraces what's next. Put that on the screen if we can. It's uh, Philippians 3, 10, and 11. Yes. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. This is what I am going to embrace. I'm going to embrace the God of my future. That I might be conformed, I might be conformed to his death in order that I may attain and the resurrection from the dead, I might attain that. He doesn't say, well, I, I'm going to embrace. One day I'll spend my life on the beach. 
or in the mountains, or I'm just going to enjoy my life. You know, maybe that's going to happen, but that's not how he understands himself at all. He simply said, my life, I'm embracing my faith in God. That's how I see my own future. It's around my faith and a faithful God. That's what I choose in prison to embrace, my faith in God, where that's going to take me. And there are several thoughts that ride upon this, and I'll begin with the first one. It's impossible to stay where we are. We cannot stay where we are. That's literally true. We can't stay where we are. But also, we should not want to stay where we are as God leads us us into whatever future is going to be, and we don't know what it's going to be. Remember a long time, many years ago, when my wife and I uh, decided to get married, and I, you know, I see today all these great wedding, uh, these, these will you marry me kind of things. You see them on Facebook a lot. Uh, there'll be a team of people, a, a marching band. There'll be a plane going by. There'll be announcements, you know. They'll, but no, that's not, I'm just not, I wasn't very good at that. I apologize, Rhonda, for uh, When we decided to get married, we're sitting in her, in her house, and I say, what do you think about looking at wedding rings today? That's how I asked Rob, my wife, to marry me. <laughs> what do you think about looking? And we went down and picked them out together. I didn't know you were, you were supposed to surprise her with one. Nobody told me that. We're so, she's 18, I'm just turned 21. I just don't know the rules. And so she picks hers out, I pick mine out. Still, here it is. You know, now at the 15th wedding anniversary, I got her a little better one than I could afford that first one, uh, a little better one that she wears now. But you know, we got married and and. and now, I'm going to tell you that I'm guessing that, Rhonda, you've been surprised at what's followed, uh, that saying yes uh, for the next 40 years. A lot of very big surprises. You know, in that same journey, as we, as we, as we look at this, you know, we, we discover she's going to move from Key West. She's never been west of the Mississippi. Key West to Texas, to Missouri, back to Texas, and I could go on and on and on with all of that. But here's what happened. She did not embrace a known future. She had no idea. She's 18, marrying this Texas Navy boy who says she's going to be a minister. As I'm going to go to college, you've got to go with me if you want to marry me. That goes with the, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to be a pastor. Probably going to be poor all of our lives, so know that. Going to be a lot of sacrifices. You know, these are all the things that I could say about our getting together in marriage. That's all I could promise. It's probably, it's probably going to be crazy unless you know, you know. But So she's not embracing a known future that's impossible. She was just embracing me. That's all at that point she was able to do is embrace this 21-year-old Navy guy who's from Texas who says he wants to be a preacher. That's all she could do. She's embracing me. Now, now here what I'm talking about is we think about embracing a new future. We're talking about not embracing a known future. We're talking about embracing the God who we trust with that future and the God we're going to walk with into that future. The God we're going to share life with, who's going to share life with us and move us forward into a very surprising experience. Wherever we are now, that promise is still sure. The Apostle Peter didn't begin that way. Uh, Peter began, as you probably know, a fisherman. Uh, He knew all there was to know about fishing on the Sea of Galilee. He was an expert, along with his father and his brother, 
and all those fishermen around him, and probably had been there uh, following generations of fishermen who'd lived right there in the same area, fishing the same sea, teaching the same uh, tenets of fishing all through the season. He knew how to fish, how to mend nets, where and when to cast, how to get a boat across the lake to where the fish were biting, how to bring them back in, how to clean them and sell them. He was an expert on all. That was his future he knew in his own life. That was sure going to change when Jesus introduced himself to Peter and said, come follow me. And that was it. Just come follow me. And Peter got out of the boat. Three, just three years later, the same fisherman is standing in Jerusalem outside the temple. Christ had been raised from the dead, and he preaches the first message to the very first church in a very hostile world sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and 3,000 are baptized that day, and the church is born from the very same Peter. I'm sure if Jesus had said, Peter, in three years, here's what you're going to do. No, he said, just follow me. At this time, at this point in your history, Peter, just follow. At this time in our relationship, just follow me. Get out of the boat. That's all you have to do. Don't worry about three years from now. And so he didn't. He just followed him. Who would have known? Who would have thunk it? Who would have imagined? Certainly not the apostle Peter. Think about embracing God and this kind of faith, where that might take us. The apostle Paul began as a Pharisee. A Pharisee of Pharisees, he says, a keeper of the law in detail, memorizing the Old Testament and also a very legalistic, judgmental, even hateful kind of person, even persecuting those who were following Christ. This is who Paul is until he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And there, things are sure going to change. Because some years later, three years later, the Apostle Paul is going to find himself bringing good news to a, a secular Roman, idolatrous, sinful world, the good news of God and the world. And you and I, a Christian today because Paul said yes to Jesus, not knowing what it meant, not knowing where it was going to, not knowing the surprises he was going to have, not knowing he was going to be sitting in prison one day and penning the words of Philippians, you just heard read, and some I just read that still change our life today, to embrace the God of the cross and the resurrection, the God of life everlasting, the God who calls us to sacrifice for him, the God who teaches us what meaning and passion and purpose and being fulfilled really is in his son, Jesus Christ. How things change, how they can change. That's that's the, the first point. Secondly, what is God's will for you right now? That is the first step. God's will for you right now, that is the first step. And I think we often get this wrong, and all pastors, Pastor David and other pastors hear this all the time. People will ask us, how can I know the will of God for me? How do I know the will of God in this situation or for me, for my future? Uh, people ask that. And it's impossible to answer. I can't say, well, here's God's will for you. Even how you find God's will, because we want to have it all laid out in a very clear equation that has an ending that we like. Just show me, God, and I'll go do all those things for all those years and all that life. That's, how I'm gonna, that's not how it works at all. Uh, it, it goes something like this. I was uh, invited, been invited many times to go speak to uh, elementary age kids uh, on what's called career day. 
Uh, I'm not sure how many of you have been able to do that. Uh, and usually it's not, I'm not the most exciting career uh, when you walk into a class of second graders or third graders. Uh, I have to explain, I'm a minister, uh, I'm, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, you know, I'm a clergy person, you know, and you try to describe what you do and what that is, and, and I've never had anyone say, I want that career, not yet, maybe it'll come, one. no, and, and there usually have been someone else they've also had career day with, like maybe a, a scuba diver or, or a Navy SEAL or an astronaut or, or an airline pilot, and that's what they want to be. I want, I want to be an astronaut. You know, I want to explore new, you know, that's what they, that's what they want to do, you know. But I can't do this when I talk, I can't do this with them. I can't say, okay, you want to be an astronaut. Here's what you have to do to be an astronaut. You have to, today, in your class, pay attention to me. You have to, today, study and do well. You have to, today, go home and do your, you have to get through the third grade or you're never going to be an astronaut. If you float the third grade for the next 12 years, it's never going to, you have to get through, you have to do the right thing now before you go to the fourth grade and the fifth, and you know how it goes. Keep going till finally you get through school and all that it takes to become an astronaut or Navy SEAL or whatever you're choosing to do. It's the same way with knowing God's will. To do God's will, I must, to know God's will, I must do God's will now, this minute. I can't skip that. I can't skip that step. If God's willing to say, God, I'm a sorry sinner, wash me in my sin, if that's the step, you've got to take that step first. If there are things you're doing that you should not be doing, you've got to stop doing those things first. If, you, if there are things you should be doing, you've got to start doing those things first. And, and, and I love the fact that I, I'm convinced coming to church this morning was the will of God for you. Right now, I took a step. You're one who comes every week and you're always here or, you, or someone had to drag you here or, or you surprise yourself, I went to church today, I don't know why, what got me here, I just got up and went, I haven't been for six months or forever, you know, but you're here and I think you took a step. This is God's will. What is the next step? Forgiving, being forgiven, stopping, beginning, changing, reading, praying, and that will lead to only God knows where it will lead to because I can't tell you what's next for you. I can't say what's next for me. I know what right now is. I'm going to be faithful in sharing this message. That's God's will for me at this moment, and I want to be faithful in doing that as best I can. What is God's will for you right now? That is the first next step. The next point here is it's a mistake to think the best is behind us. Now, I see a few gray hairs out here, not too many, but a few gray hairs out there. Some are much younger and don't have that, not part of their life yet. Some are getting, just getting started in your life. But we can sometimes think the best is behind us, especially the more years we have under our belt. It's easy to do that. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you, for some reason, think the best is behind you, all the great milestones, all the great moments, all the great activities, all the great, if you think the best is behind you, stop it. Just stop doing that. That shuts God down from what God can lead you into a new future. You know, life is made up of many things in the past, of many things in my own life. You know, went through confirmation. Talked about confirmation today with our dancers up here. and One going to confirm next year, one confirm this year. My brother and I, who are, who are pastors now for 35, 37 years, he's 35 years, I'm 37 years in ministry uh, as full-time pastors uh, in our journey, that, that we, we, we went through confirmation class 
uh, in San Angelo, Texas at Day Memorial Methodist Church. Tom Connolly uh, was our p- pastor right out of seminary. Uh, Tom Connolly uh, retired a few years ago. He served this conference for about 15 years. We would see him at annual conference. Uh, and he would see us on occasion and say, Mike or Steve, of all the kids in all my churches I've served, you two were the most least likely to be pastors. I would never, ever have picked you to be ministers. When it, we went through confirmation class because our mother made us, so we went. We finished it came time for Confirmation Sunday. My brother and I refused to attend. We wouldn't be, con- we said, no, we're not going to be, con- no, we're not doing that. Well, you went through, con- no, we're not doing it. We don't believe that stuff. We're not doing it. And so my brother and I refused. We were not confirmed when it came time. We were baptized uh, and confirmed in our faith, in our own profession of faith some years later in the military. We refused. Came time for high school graduation. Uh, to go down to uh, San Angelo, the auditorium there with another 700 kids wearing our little blue outfits with the little orange tassels on the top. My brother and I said, we're not going to our graduation, Mom and Dad. We don't want to do that. We don't like high school anyway. Why do we want to go with all those people? That's what we thought. That's, hey, telling you the truth. So we said, no. My mom said, basically, with my dad's support, you are going to high school graduation. Sit there, and you're going to like it. So we went to our high school graduation. Came time for college, from Bible college. We're moving, coming to Texas, lots to do. I say, Rhonda, I don't really need to go to graduation. You sit there for hours, they sing, and you got to walk up there and get something and leave. You know, I don't want to do that. And Rhonda says something like, you're going to your college graduation. I put up with a lot. You're going. I said, okay, I won't say anything more. (laughs) So I went to my graduation. This is all true stories. Rhonda will back me up. Uh, came time for seminary uh, some years later, which is a harder degree for those who don't know about seminary. A long five years of arduous effort. Came time to go to Daniel Meyer Coliseum for graduation. I told my wife and family, I'm not doing that. You can sit with all, these, all your seminary people. I sit there together. You got to sit behind all the nurses, you know. For those who know about, you don't want to sit behind the nurses at graduation. I'm just telling you, you don't want to sit. You think the crazy people are the engineers? No, no, it's the nurses. So we sit behind the nurse. I don't want to do that. Any nurses here? Don't, okay, sure a few are here. So I want to do that. And my wife was more for I put up with eight years of this. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to applaud. I'm going to say yay and holler when you get that diploma. You're getting it for both of us. So I did my, my uh, seminary graduation, got my diploma in there as well. We all have different kinds of past. It's a mistake to think the past, the best, is behind us. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul also writes, he talks about faith. He talks about hope, and he talks about love. And the best of this is love. The best, if your best is that I, can ha- I have a 300-yard drive, your best could be behind you. Because it's not going to get better than that, it's only going to get worse. If your best is I can hit a softball over the fence, I'm going to tell you that's going to. If your best is your knees don't hurt, your back doesn't hurt, and and you don't have any, and you don't wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, that's going to be in your past as well. If your best is that, you're in trouble. But if your best is love and faith and hope, you're in a really good place. That's what Paul is talking about. 
this passage is clearly speaking about to us, we have to have hope. We serve a God who is about hope. We serve a God that we embrace in our faith and His faithfulness in the cross and the resurrection. Paul so eloquently wrote about their Philippians. And that carries us into a future that's going to be a surprise. A surprise as you live by faith. Say, that's my future. Live by hope. That's what's next. Live by love. That's what I'm going to embrace tomorrow, not what I can do or, or the awards I have or the job or my career or even my relationships. It goes beyond that. It's a remarkable way. Number four in the last part of my message today. The future is built upon the prayers we pray today and the grace we experience in this moment right now. So we're going to really approach that as to now. The now. We are in God's will right now simply by being in church today. So what do we do? We've been to Israel a number of times. We're going to be going again with Pastor Dave and I are going to lead a, a group again this February. And uh, we filled the bus up in about a week. People love going to Israel, to the promised land. And it's really, really cool to see a lot of things there. One thing, though, that I've noted through the years going there, if you want to find some of the really basic early sites and walk where Jesus walked, you better, walk, you better go down. Some of those places are actually uh, narrow stairwell, stairwells that go through uh, dirt and rock going deep, deep, 20 and 30 feet down below to get to where uh, Jerusalem was 2,000 years ago because since then it's built up. Uh, it's, it's been torn down, built, it's uh, collapsed, built, and keeps on happening through generations. Any, any old part of the world just like that, not just Israel. And so now people live uh, really... Uh, 10, 20, and 30 feet above the place where Jesus walked. They're way up on top of that in a new place. And, and I think that's really a lot about how life is for you and me. It's where we are right now. We are right now in our life. Because what's going to happen next, what we must embrace next, is built upon the prayer, the prayer we pray now, and the grace we experience now, new, fresh, exciting, the future God has for you and me is where God wants to take us, willing to begin that new, first with grace. And God just gives us his grace. Thank you, God, for that. So grateful God's grace comes so free for us. It's a great cost for him and the cross. So God's grace is here. We're simply just washed clean, make new, brand new, that's now. God gives you that. And then our prayer. Lord, I want to pray. I want to pray the future is in your hands, not in mine. I want to embrace my love for you, your love for me, and move into a new way of living. And, and I, want to, I want to let you take me where you want me to go. Many of you, it's going to be back to work on Monday. You know, back home to your house today, if not all of us. But where is it going to take you as the, as the days and weeks and years go by? Faith, hope, love. What makes life really worth living, the words fulfilling, meaningful, we're passionate about. It makes life begin again where we don't say the best is past and say, hey, the best is still ahead because the best faith and the, and the best love and the best hope is where I'm going to grab hold of right now in the prayer that I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that prayer. Uh, for you and with me. And I'm going to give you a moment of silent prayer first. But I want to read one last verse of Scripture, Philippians 3.14. Frank also read this one. 
The goal I pursue, Paul says from prison, is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. That's what I pursue. I'm going to give you a moment of silent prayer. I'm going to pray. Then we'll close our service. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers pray today, our hearts open to you, to the words you might say to us and your will and where you might lead us in the next step to embrace what's next. God, you know us here so well. You know that some of us here are thinking about the past being the best part of our life and we're, we're scared of the future. Others of us, the last thing we want to do is relive the past. We want something better than that. So we're in all kinds of places, God, right now. But right now, we're also in the very same place. It's a place, God, where we call upon you. Lord, pour your grace out upon us once again. And wash us, make us fresh and new. Help us and prepare us, God, to walk into a new future, the one you have for us in your son, Jesus Christ. God, we take what faith we have and we give it to you. What hope we have and we ask you, God, to make it grow. And the love so important to us, and Lord, may that love, God, direct our, our life into a new future. You know us well, so we trust you, God, for not the step in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. It's a step right now, step we take next, where we stop, where we begin, where we go and where we don't go. By your grace and work within us, the prayer we pray right now, the new bottom line for a new beginning, made possible in this season of graduation. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.